0: everybody, to the 5280 Nuggets Fast Break Podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Sports Network, currently sponsored by Nobody. We will have our first sponsor here soon, but if you're interested in becoming a part of our organization, as far as the sponsorship goes, you can visit us at rockymountainsn.com. Today, we're going to do a trade deadline special, kind of right on the finish line here for the trade deadline. We're going to talk about uh, if there's any moves the Nuggets can do, uh, what are some possibilities, and then, you know, just some opinions, what we think they should do. Uh, But, yeah, to do that today, I got Trevor here with me to break that all down, and it's great to have you on the pod, man. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me, Jacob. Can't wait to talk some Nuggets basketball. You know, some some people might recognize me a little bit. I'm never Bronco Roundup. I'm used to talking Broncos, so it's it's great to get a change. You know, talking Nuggets basketball and talking to NBA trade deadline. It's one of my honestly one of my favorite parts of the year is just players getting moved. And now now it's not great for players per se because, you know, they have to move their, get up and move their families in such a short notice. But, I mean, for fans and for people that cover this team, I mean, and teams around the NBA, it's just something that uh, you look forward to. You're looking forward to seeing your team, you know, what they want to do improve it, kind of their plans going forward. So it's definitely an interesting part of the season that I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the NBA honestly relies on this time of year to do a lot of marketing. Um, it's a lot – of what drives those social clicks for the NBA. And it can be an exciting time for fans and for media. Obviously there's a wall between us and the players. And so it's a very different experience that they experience. So we do have to keep that in mind when we're talking about this. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of fans really do wanna hear what the reigning champs are gonna end up doing at the trade deadline, if anything. Uh, I would like to start out by saying that at least from the time that I've been following the nba closely and been a diehard nuggets fan probably since about 2009 i'm a little bit on the younger side so do forgive me but this is probably one of the quietest quietest trade deadlines that i've seen in as far as i can remember and i would say the reason for that is because of the second apron and because of some of the rules that the cba has enacted for uh some of these playoff contenders some of these championship contenders and how the dynamic of of contracts and the way players move are going to change in the future because it is going to be a very much a paradigm shift to what we're used to I think some of the large trades that we might have seen during this time have already been done including James Harden uh Kevin Durant for example uh, and so, and then Zach Levine's obviously taken off the market with his injury. So, uh, just keep that in mind uh, as we're talking about this. This is a very different trade deadline than we've been used to. Um, and yeah, I just I'd like to get your opinion on that, Trevor. I, I, you know, I I'm very much into the CBA, but what are your thoughts on how this might change the? not only the trade market itself but really the frenzy that the trade deadline's been for the last five six years dating back to really 2019 when Kawhi and and paul george both went in the same season i felt like that was kind of the peak of the frenzy in the most recent years
1: yeah so i mean yeah jacob you're right and again with the with the uh you know cap ramifications now with this, with this uh, new CBA in place and the Aprians kind of being what they are, the restrictions they are. It's just, I mean, it's just really hard to build a team and this is why you're seeing the Nuggets go young and try to build a roster to the draft and, Honestly, it's one of the more restriction kind of leagues that, you know, that we have currently. The NFL, there's you know, they have the salary cap, but you can get around that. Baseball, they just don't have any salary cap at all. Maybe a is one that you maybe kind of can compare a, a little bit to the NBA as far as the restrictions that you can have. But, I mean, it's just something we've never seen before. So I absolutely agree. It's just... Something that teams have to monitor each and every edition. It really does make an impact on your on your cap, and you have to really watch it because, again, you don't want to end up in the second apron when you're pretty much handicapped to uh, minimum deals going forward. So that's something that obviously the Nuggets don't want to get into, nor does any team want to get into. It's just it's going to be interesting to see how these uh, teams kind of you know kind of decide on the on the future, but also stay in the present and try to compete for championships and try to compete while also just not trying to go into that second aprian. So it's interesting, and I think the front office are trying to have to kind of adjust to it. I think for the Nuggets' sake, they've done a great job by just kind of getting ahead of that a little bit by getting those rookie contracts and getting cheap deals and going more that direction instead of the minimum deals. And then you have those you know, veteran players that are kind of aging out, then you have to make deals. Now you have those rookie guys under contract that you can – you have are under control for the next couple of years, and you can be a little more flexible with that going forward. So that definitely will definitely be interesting, about 24 hours or so going uh, going forward.
0: Yeah, we'll see what flares up right before the deadline happens. That can be a pretty good hot spot. Although the days before have been busy typically, so this is kind of, like I said, a quiet one. Uh, and Calvin Booth, like you said, has done a great job in kind of getting ahead uh, of it with the three draft picks in this draft, which was kind of surprising. But now, as we're seeing how teams are acting, it makes a lot more sense. So we'll get into more of maybe the CBA and the restrictions towards the end of this pod and how it's going to affect the Nuggets in the future. Uh, But I wanted to start off with talking about the untouchables. Uh, Every team has untouchables, whether you're a really bad team or a championship contender. And to make it quite simple, in my opinion, and I think a lot of Nuggets fans and uh, Nuggets analysts' opinion and probably Coach Malone's opinion, uh, I believe our starting five is probably all untouchable at this point, at least as far as their play and their contract values. Um, MPJ might be the only one that might not be, but really his contract does make him untouchable in a sense. So I just wanted to make sure we're – us two are on the same page you might have a differing opinion uh do you kind of agree with that 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 starting five is likely not going to change probably this year or maybe even next year
1: yeah yeah you know I think that you know again I agree I think that the starting five is kind of just it's not going to change you know I, per se none there's been a, some rumors around there about MPJ but I think with MPJ it's just again his his, his salary cap and his play just kind of quite don't add up and also, if you're the Nuggets, what do you end up getting for MPJ if you do move him? I mean, you're and you're not moving, you're not moving anybody. You're starting five when you you have the of starting five that you've had and probably ever in Nuggets history. One of the best starting fives ever, just complementing com- each other pretty well. You know, both offense side of the ball and defense side of the ball. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I, I just I don't see why you would move on. You want a championship with those guys, so why would you move on right now? Now going forward, I won't say never say never. I mean who knows in the offseason. season, if, if Denver doesn't win a championship, if a deal comes about, maybe they do move, move Michael Porter Jr. I think Michael Porter Jr. would be the guy you probably wouldn't move in a deal. But again, he's got scary upside. I just don't know that you want to – how much more of a player – better player you're going to get. Now, if you want like Mikael Bridgers, I'd be down for Mikael Bridges. That's the only guy that I probably would want if you're going to move a guy like MPJ just because I think he would complement this roster really well on the offense side of the ball and defense side of the ball. But – Yeah, it's really hard for me to see Denver moving on anybody in the starting five in the near future. I just think that Booth and Malone are on the same page of how much they really like this roster.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'm not really interested too much in talking about trading any of the starters at this point. We're going to run it back. We're going to see what happens. And when the time comes, we'll talk about it. But right now, MPJ is a very key and vital part. Despite what I've seen from some Nuggets fans online, MPJ is not getting moved at this deadline that's kind of simply a fact of the matter at this point. So uh, we're going to move on real quick now to the bench and just talk about some of our untouchables. Uh, when I think about uh, pieces that can be moved, I really think about two true untouchables. Now, I think there's players that we shouldn't move, but I think there's players that you just can't move. And I think Peyton Watson is the first one that comes to mind with his upside and the flashes that he's shown this season, being on that rookie contract as well. Uh, and then the other one would, to me, would be Christian Brown. Now he's kind of a fringe untouchable. Uh, I think the only person we would tra- I would trade for him right now is probably Alex Caruso because he's the future version of Christian Brown, in my opinion. Uh, if, you know, the brightest timeline, of course, it's not certain of, by any means but uh those are the two on two guys i look at and i say you know for Peyton watson i don't think you really trade them unless it's for a star and christian brown the only way you trade them is for just like that super high value piece so to me those two guys are untouchable because christian brown doesn't really have that value on the market probably at this point um and so You know, Reggie Jackson's also a fringe guy for me just because of his contract size and the value he provides. But I wouldn't necessarily say that he's untouchable at this point. Um, So I'm going to kind of, as far as the whole rest of the roster goes, I'm going to kind of stick with those two guys being untouchable. Probably won't talk about them too much in this conversation, uh, but just wanted to get your take on that as well, if there's any other guys or if you might disagree with one of those guys.
1: Yeah, you know, again – Dred Jackson, I don't think he's untouchable per se. I know you ha- you said you have him on the kind of fringe, untouchable. I just and I don't know that Nuggets really are like that or thinking that way either, because we've heard some rumors now with DeLon Wright kind of being named out there. Also, Monty Morris before he was traded to the Timberwolves for those that are catching this podcast. Tomorrow, Monty Morris was traded to the Timberwolves, reuniting with Tim Conley, a former Nuggets GM. So, I mean, yeah, just for me, I'd probably ask Julian Strawther to that a little bit, you know, just because he's on those. Those, these guys on those rookie deals. If you do trade for someone, you are kind of going against what you built already. And so, just depending on what player you'd get back in the contract, you would get back right because of the Aprian and and just the rest of the roster, it would have, it would affect it. Probably would affect your depth. You're probably not getting, you know, you're not getting any better depth wise. Just getting a better player per se, and so that will affect your depth going forward. I just, you know, I, I don't know. For me, it's probably Brown. It's probably Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and Julian Strawther. Julius Strawther is probably fringe. For me, kind of untouchable just because I really love his shooting. I think he's an elite three-point shooter when he's on and when he's healthy. But uh, And I think he's got a lot of upside. I think he's got possibly, I mean, if he figures out his defense, he's got Danny Green type of upside, in my opinion. Uh, maybe even Kevin Martin upside. So I, I, I don't know that you would move that per se. And you just got to be careful with, with just those contracts because of how cheap they are. And those guys progressing seems like Denver was, really wants to build kind of in, in-house you know, instead of kind of going outside the outside the organization for help. And that's what you have to kind of do with this second uh this tax aprian now that you have to to put up with.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it kind of goes against the formula that Calvin Booth built in this last offseason. If we were to trade one of those rookies, now I would probably disagree with Strother being a fringe. I think he's the one guy that you put in a trade that is a value add that gets you somewhere at this point. I don't know if he's a playoff rotation player. Now he could be and, and we have to always be careful too of being a prisoner of the moment and really being in love with the guy's upside, right? Um and so he's the one like rookie that's actually played cuz really at this point Pickett and Hunter Tyson have very little value on the market being second round picks, but yeah, Strawther would be one that I would say is probably available, but it of course hurt to trade them and you would really need to do an upgrade um in order to part with that asset um so i think in this next 24 hours we're really gonna see some of tra- calvin booth's true colors and how who, how he operates as a gm because he kind of inherited a roster that was mostly con- built and constructed he obviously executed on a trade with to get kcp that was the right one and a perfect one he did some great draft picks but we still have a very small sample size of calvin booth we don't really at this i mean we have we we know we have a baseline for him but we don't know truly you know in the long term how he's going to operate and so this is one of the defining deadlines where you're coming off a championship. You have a ton of pressure to repeat because they're, to be honest, other than the Clippers, there haven't been a lot of super great teams that have really surfaced in the in the West, in my opinion. Uh, so it'll be really interesting and telling to see how he handles it. Um, but, yeah, getting the untouchables out of the way, I really would love to just dive into a few trades that would work doesn't necessarily mean we're going to agree with it or that it's worth it or that it's going to even happen. Uh, Chances are the Nuggets aren't going to do anything. Um, And that's just the fact of where where they are with their cap table and their structure uh, as well as the second apron that's looming. Uh, And so – and even with Michael Malone coming out and saying today really that, you know, Ryan – Blackburn put it on Twitter in a, in a good context that you kind of poured cold water on any trade rumors saying pretty much that we're okay to, to run it back right now, obviously with additions, but uh, to me, let's just go over some of our top trade pieces that I look for. If a trade were to happen, who would they involve? And then we'll get into kind of who we're looking to either get or who's we're capable of getting and those are two different things of course but I really look at Zeke Najee's contracts and my first thought is I would like to get off of this now obviously they did this because in the next few years his contract will be a very good tradable asset in the sense of salary cap but not necessarily in value to other teams and so Calvin Booth is really stuck in this position where he just signed a poison pill contract. And for anybody who doesn't know what that means, and to put it in layman's terms, I'm not going to get into too technical of what uh, why this happens. But when if the Nuggets were to trade Zeke Naji, the team that would be receiving him would get a $7 million incoming salary, and the Nuggets would be sending out $4 million dollars. The reason they call that a poison pill is because when you're an over the cap team, you need to do salary matching up to 110%. And so that makes it really difficult to execute trades. It's it's already difficult to execute trades at all in the NBA. That's why so few happen. But that one just adds another layer of complexity to it. And so a lot of the trades that i'm looking at today and for the next it's not quite 24 hours but let's call it 14 hours they're going to involve zeke Naji because he's really the only tradable salary other than uh reggie jackson who like i said earlier brings more value than a five million dollar player on another team could in my opinion um, what are your thoughts on that do you think there's other players that i haven't mentioned that are key trade pieces in this upcoming deadline
1: yeah you know i think you held you hit the nail on the head right with that one i mean you're just i mean again you're just uh you know ziggnaji that's contract you, again you would like to move off of it now if you can uh you know again for me it's just the whole i don't know if denver wants to bring in a, a guy that's on a one-year deal per se just because i think that they are man- they're managing it in a way that they w- they're trying to get guys longer term on this team so they can uh, you create more of a run, and they don't have to kind of figure all this out in the off season. They kind of we've kind of seen it with Reggie Jackson last year when they picked up Reggie Jackson, kind of seen them go out and get Reggie Jackson, and then they paid him a decent amount of money. Uh, when they, when they moved off of Bones Highland, obviously at the deadline, got Thomas Bryant, and then they got Reggie Jackson, and, and he was kind of sat on the bench, didn't really do much, but again, they brought him back the following season, paid him decent money, and he's performed at this point. So, you know, I think again, I just wonder if you can get a guy into this atmosphere does that change a lot of guys' minds that are on expiring deals? That would, that would be my argument against that. Um, but I think you have to, you know, I think again, you're, you're correct with the whole Reggie Jackson and Zig Nagy. Those are likely contracts that you're going to be able to move, uh, just because, I mean, they, they're they pretty decent salary. And I think they match up with a lot of players that you might be interested in and in acquiring. So yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. You know, just again, how much is, uh, what, what's the upgrades out there? Because, again, you're moving these foot guys for upgrades. It's Reggie Jackson, is, are you going to really get much of an upgrade? I'm not sure, you know, per se. Zeke Nagy. I think there are upgrades out there for Zeke Nagy, per se. But Reggie Jackson, I think it's a little, little unlikely we see Reggie getting moved just because I don't know that there's a surefire upgrade over him at the price that you're going to have to pay uh, to move him.
0: Yeah, and I'll definitely address the DeLon Wright uh, rumors here in a minute just to go over kind of the war chest that the Nuggets have, which is severely depleted at this point because, I mean, they're a championship team. This is what most championship teams' assets look like. You're not going to have much left. Uh, You know, the Clippers are like one of the exceptions where they still have a decent amount of assets to move and they're still a good team. Uh, But we're in a position where – we're not able to trade any first round picks currently unless we're in draft which obviously doesn't help you at the deadline uh they currently have five second round picks that they can trade the 24 26 29 and 2030 second round picks keep in mind too i would like to note we've traded a lot of second round picks in the last four years for backup centers that have not stuck around so when we're talking about trading Zeke Nagy, a lot of it is for another backup center. How many times are we gonna trade for a backup center and basically burn second round picks, which is a lot of the value that we have left uh, in order for either Malone not to play them or them not to stick and them not to re-sign with the Nuggets. So uh, do keep that in mind. But as far as the DeLon Wright rumors go, It was reported that the Nuggets had inquired about him. Now, it's unclear, of course, the package that they were possibly talking about. In my personal opinion, he is a defensive upgrade and a playmaking upgrade to Reggie Jackson. However, if you look at the the deficiencies of the second unit, it isn't on defense. It is on offense. And in my opinion, Reggie Jackson has been the perfect fit way more than the Nuggets could have asked for from a taxpayer, mid-level exception player in Reggie, you know, his averages, he's averaging 10 points a game, four assists. He's not being a, like a ball hog by any means. He's ran the second unit. He stepped in when Jamal was out for 14 games and played at a high level. And I just, to my, in my like opinion, and we're, we're talking about the the people side now, I don't think you can do, Reggie Jackson dirty like that. He's done everything you've asked him to do. And yeah, you can go out and get more defense. But at the end of the day, I think the roster balance of the Nuggets with so many defensive minded players now with a few offensive superstars is a good mix. And I don't want to, and I think Reggie Jackson fits perfectly in that balance. And uh, I don't think that it's worth trading him for DeLon Wright at this point, even though he's been a Nuggets Twitter favorite.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with you, Jake. I, I mean, I just again, I don't, I don't see the upside to it. Again, I think they off the bench, you need, you, you need the scoring. I mean, you can again, you're right. D- defense isn't the problem to this to this Nuggets bench unit, and DeLon Wright's only going to be able to provide so much offense. The one guy, I actually, think that if you're going to actually move Reggie Jackson, was one guy that I think. I don't, th- I don't think I don't think would be too bad of an option because I think he can score a little bit. Him and Reggie's uh, points per game is not too far off. That would be Dennis Smith Jr. I think that would be a guy for me that would make a little bit of sense in a way because I think he is a better defender than than Reggie. Um, playmaking, yeah, I think I think you could possibly say he's a better playmaker. You know, but but it's offense. You know, offensively, he's not. I don't think too far down from Reggie. I just. Just, again, you're, you're taking away that scoring guard from Reg Jackson. And, and again, Reggie Jackson is going to likely be a part of this rotation in the playoffs. So, then I have to be very yeah. careful when they're trying to move on from him to not trade for the wrong player, per se, because, you know, you're, you're trying to solve issues, but, again, don't try to just make a trade to make a trade when Reggie Jackson, again, to me, is not an issue either. The only thing, again, for me would be future down the line. I mean, if you can get a guard that is under team control, maybe you would – Move maybe move Reggie for. If that's an upgrade and you get that guard under, under team control, that would probably be the only way I might move Reggie Jackson. Just because he has that player option going into next year, he might decline that and go to test the market if he plays well enough. So, I mean, that's that would be the only way I would see the Nuggets move Reggie Jackson. That would be the only way I would move Reggie Jackson.
0: Yeah, and, and Dennis Smith Jr., you say, you know, he might be comparable. He's comparable in being a downhill player and, and athletic. He does not have the outside shooting that Reggie does. In order to have, in my opinion, a Dennis Smith Jr. on the Nuggets that's successful, you got to surround him with shooters. And the bench isn't like that. The bench is very much a defense-first, run-and-gun defensive unit, really, Uh, with Reggie Jackson being able to be a high-usage pick-and-roll player. Dennis Smith Jr. will not have the same amount of success being that because of the outs, the lack of outside shooting, uh, without um, having other shooters around him. Now we we maybe Watson turns into a forty percent shooter. Brown has basically almost been a forty percent shooter this year, uh, but there's a difference between being one and teams respecting you like one. And those guys are still getting there in their careers. So uh, that's an interesting one that I hadn't really thought of, but to me that's almost like trading kind of similar production for similar production and it's better with the devil you know than the devil you don't in my opinion and and Reggie Jackson's put in that work to be a staple and not only in the nuggets like rotation but in their culture too like he put in the work to work with the young guys to be there all summer he's a colorado kid you know he he has earned my respect um and from honestly someone who in myself that I wasn't a big Reggie Jackson fan and uh I honestly can't wait to see what he does in the playoffs if he's still on this roster and I I hope he I hope he is so uh,
1: what do you with, uh, what do you uh a uh, quick question for you Jake so uh with Dennis Smith's contract again he's not expensive at all uh in 2 2.5 million dollars what he's making this year would you do uh, like a uh maybe a picket or maybe would you throw a different player in there and try to bring in uh, Smith as a kind of a guy off the bench if you need him type situation down the stretch? Or would you would you be against moving a controllable contract for a guy like Dennis Smith Jr.? Knowing that he's probably – he would probably play over these other over these other, other guys and probably not going to be too expensive to bring back next offseason. Again, a guy that if he buys into this team and he does play a little bit down the line, might get Jamal off his feet a little bit maybe a guy that you bring in he, he, if he buys in maybe he's back on the minimum again next year i mean we'll, we'll see what he yeah. does but I, he's that's definitely an option another name also that makes kind of makes sense to me would be chris dunn that's another name that if you're wanting to move on from reggie those are two guys that i think are better fits than delon right per se but again i'm not advocate for moving on from reggie jackson i don't think the point guard they need a dress point guard out here at the trade deadline
0: yeah it's not a big position to address at this point Jamal Murray is going to stagger with the bench in the playoffs. That's just a fact at this point. Uh, So you don't necessarily need like a a true backup point guard. Like we saw it with Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown was a combo guard. He was not a point guard and he fit well because he ran with Jokic in those minutes when Jamal Murray was off the floor and he could run with Jamal Murray on the floor. So as far as, basically saving two and a half million dollars is really the difference you're talking about here. It doesn't actually make too much of a difference with the cap table next year. We would still be a second apron team. Uh, it's it's really all that's really doing, in my opinion, as far as salary goes, is saving the Cronkies four to eight million dollars in salary tax at that point. And I don't think that's a priority for them, to be honest. I think they've gone all in on this roster. So... Um, maybe you know if it was two years down the road maybe but I think at this point doesn't really make much sense to me to be honest so yeah I, I do want to go through some rapid fire some trades that would work we'll kind of go yes or no on these um give some quick thoughts not spend too much time like I said it, it's really difficult because of Zeke Nagy's poison pill and because all the other salaries other than Reggie Jackson's being at five million being very low salaries, basically close to the minimum, because they're rookie deals or a minimum contract like Justin Holiday. So um, with that being said, I was primarily looking at backup center because that's really the biggest spot. And I'm not sure if the Nuggets are willing to do that. Uh, But one thing, one trade that it kind of uh, surprised me that would work was Zeke Naji in two seconds for Mason Plumley. The problem is I don't think the Clippers go for that at all. Uh, they're not trying to accumulate assets at this point. They're trying to win now. And I think Plumley is a really good fit on their team being a backup, but I would love a Plumlee reunion. I mean, do you agree with that?
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he would be a, and that's the guy that's like a fringe rotation guy too. I think for Malone, Malone likes Plumlee a lot. And he was great in the, when Jokic wasn't on the floor, he was one of those centers that actually did pan out for Denver. And yeah, I would love Mason Plumlee here in Denver. I just, again, if you're the Clippers, why are you helping out the Denver Nuggets? <laughs> that's going to kind of be that type of trade. Like, I mean, what is Ignacio going to be on the Clippers? He's going to be Bones Island sitting on the bench. I mean, pretty much. Exactly, that's a competing. Yeah. That's a competing team. And, you're getting two second round picks. for the Clippers, and you're just giving Denver a a center that, I mean, again, why? Why would you give Denver a center and what, help them out in any way? She perform. You don't need two second round draft picks. I don't think you for the Clippers. So I don't. I don't think the Clippers would do it. If the Nuggets, you're running, you're running and you're making that phone call right away, and you're sending that paperwork in right away because that would be a heck of a deal if Collin could pull that off.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that's more. That's more just. Hey, the salaries would work with that poison pill, but. Uh, I don't think the Clippers do that unless they're like working on a three team massive trade and they need those seconds. Um, But uh, another one that I found interesting because one of Najee's biggest issues has been rebounding and floor spacing. And uh, Charles Bassey is actually somebody who could be available playing for the San Antonio Spurs, uh, averaging four rebounds a game. He's only played 19 games this year uh, at, uh, just under 11 minutes a game he's not a three-point shooter by any means um, but he's a guy that can put a little bit of pressure on the rim that will rebound he's kind of he's not as good as jandre jordan really ever was in his career but he's a, he's that kind of type and you could probably get him for zeke naji in a second round pick i uh, don't really want to talk about this one too much but that is an option if you're trying to shuffle centers and get off of Zeke Najee's three-year deal so uh, just to throw that one
1: out there yeah and that would make sense for Denver because he was on he's under contract so if you're if I think if Denver if Denver wants to trade for backup center I think it would have to be for someone that's under contract past the season that's the only way to me right. it makes sense for them to actually even trade for a backup center if it's a it's expiring contract I just don't see it happening per se because, because I mean again you're you're doing the same thing you've been doing and Mike Malone, just don't play center in the playoffs. I mean, you'd be a guy that would help you through the regular season. And that's about it. I mean, other than maybe Mason plumbing might be a guy that could start in, in the playoffs. And that's another guy on my list that may start as well, uh, or be in the rotation per se, but yeah, some of these other guys just like, yeah, you're not really gaining anything not moving the needle too much, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually had Xavier Tillman on my list, uh, now the way that the celtics did it we would have had to probably cut Flacco chanchar i think at this point we we aren't going to do that um it's possible because the buyout market is after the trade deadline that we could do that still but i do believe because it's a a cost-controlled contact with the team option for next year i think they're probably going to bring him back just to see Um, and then he's probably somebody that gets moved at the deadline next year if he doesn't stick um, so I just want to get that out of the way real quick, that we probably are not going to be able to open up a roster spot for a buyout guy, unless it's like the perfect guy, or then they might cut Blacko. Um, and then Justin Holiday is also another one that doesn't have a ton of value. He's probably more valuable for being a veteran on your team with experience that you can plug in when needed, and is, is not going to garner a, a ton of trade value uh, at that position. I'm not really interested in trading for a small forward or a power forward because you've got wings on your roster. You're kind of wing deep right now. You probably don't have any true power forwards other than Blacko and Zeke uh, off your bench. But uh, the the Watson at four minutes have been fantastic. So I'm not looking to disrupt that in any means. So. Uh, Zeke Naji plus uh, a second-round pick for Z- Xavier Tillman was one that would have worked, but obviously the time has passed for that. Uh, another one that um, has been superseded by a rookie, excuse me, by a rookie is Zeke Naji in a second for Dwight Powell. Uh, that contract swap would work uh, because of the, the long-term nature. I just don't think that would work out for the Nuggets, to be honest. Um, but it would be kind of a traditional big man that. The contracts work out and uh, but i'm not looking for any more rentals uh to be honest so
1: um no he said he's like a lifetime maverick so i don't, <laughs> I, don't yeah, yeah. I don't know that he's i ever see him playing in another in another uniform per se so uh
0: to throw a little wrench in there um we just talked about reggie jackson quite a bit uh you could trade reggie jackson and and now this is a lot less likely because monte morris has been moved to the timberwolves but uh, a Reggie Jackson plus Justin Holiday for Nikhil Alexander Walker and Jordan McLaughlin uh, is a trade that would work. Now, this would have been something that would have been more intriguing to the Timberwolves before the Monte Morris trade. Now, I think it's something that's probably completely off the table, um, but that would have brought in another defensive guard. Jordan McLaughlin is a serviceable, maybe second string probably third string point guard Uh, that has played a decent amount for the timberwolves this year Um, and so that was really my one trade that was not big or wing focused that uh, could have worked if you wanted to switch things up and get some more contracts that were a little bit longer term with Nikhil alexander walker um i got one more for you before we talk about a little bit of the cba and what's going to happen next season if nothing changes here. Uh, sorry, let me get to one more. What do you feel about Mo Bamba? Because I've been a fan of Mo Bamba. He's been injured a lot this year for the, the 76ers, but you could package Mo, uh, Zeke Nagy plus either Justin Holiday, uh, Pickett, or Tyson for Mo Bamba and Corkmoss. Uh, that is a deal that works. Now, Bomba's is on, a, I believe, a single year deal. It's also another rental. But that is something that was probably the most enticing of the problem is Bamba's been hurt most of the year. So uh what do you think about that one?
1: Yeah, that would be an interesting one to me. Again, I wish he's actually a player that I wanted Denver to pursue in the offseason. Um, you know, I, I love DJ, but Bamba, I just I think that he's got upside at some point down down, down the line. Now I mean obviously it's not going to be no starter upside, but I think he could be a, a decent role player off the bench. I think for you, he can play some uh, good center minutes, he's also a really uh, nice shot blocker to have on your team as well. Uh, good inside uh, defense from mm-hmm. him. Yeah, he would be an yeah, intriguing one for me too. Yeah, yeah, he would be a uh, you know an intriguing one for me as well. And it's just the whole thing of what would he come back if you do move for him? I mean, you're trading assets that are that you have under. Uh, contract i think if you're trading a, a guys that you have under under contract past this season you would probably want to try to get that and like okay would you have a like, legitimate interest in coming back next season just because we, we're not want yeah. to give up assets just for a rental for a backup center and then we lose you and then we don't i mean all of that our assets are gone and we already have limited assets you know already so it's and- just that's the whole thing
0: the problem with the 76ers too is that they're banking on having a max spot open come free agency and you're giving them a zeke Naji contract probably goes against their wishes with you know with getting a eight million dollar a year player Um, so just a fun one that i saw worked and i was like dang this like could work now i don't think teams would go for it um i do have one more here and i'd love to get your thoughts too on any other uh, candidates that i haven't mentioned uh, but this one would be a multi uh, or multiple trades in order to make it work. I wouldn't do any single one without the other. And this would be a very much all-in move. So one thing that would work would be Julian Strother plus Vlacco and probably some draft compensation, whether it's one second or two, for Andre Drummond and Julian Phillips. The salaries would work. Andre Drummond's obviously probably the ideal center other than maybe Mason Blumley for the Nuggets. It would be another one-year rental. You would be then acquiring Julian Phillips, who's also another 6'8 wing who has picked six six spots after Julian Strother, who hasn't really developed too much, but you'd be able to recruit a little bit of development assets. And the only way I would do this trade is if I made this other trade in succession, because at that point, Naji becomes invaluable not, not valuable to your team i would then maybe trade zeke Naji in a second for a live, uh, olivier max prosper uh guy like i liked out of the drafts. another wing uh kind of fill your your cut board again with longer controlled contracts um so the point of this would get be to get off Lacco. your value to the bulls would be julian strother you'd Bring in Andre Drummond and two more young wings to fill your roster with longer-term rookie deals uh, with the idea that Drummond is that guy that you can play for 10, maybe 15 minutes in the playoffs. That does make a, a big difference. Um, and so that's the one kind of home run double trade here that I found that you, you probably could spend assets, and you I think your chances to win a championship with that go up a little bit.
1: What do you think about that one? Yeah, that would be definitely an interesting one for sure. Now that and that kind of sounds like a Calvin Booth type of deal because he really likes his wings. He really likes those long, lengthy wings. So I could see it happening. I don't know that Denver goes all that way just for Andre Drummond because I don't think that he really moves the needle at all for him. I don't even think he plays in the playoffs for him. So it's like, do you go all Hold the way? In. Okay. Do you think that he goes all? You go all the way in for Drummond, and he plays the regular season for you. You know, you're giving. Strother's just I guess it all comes back down to what do do you vo- value with Julian Strother? Do you how much do you value him going forward? Because again, right. if he's your bench guy, if he's a bench piece for you, legitimately next year, again this year probably not because he's just he's a rookie this year. Yeah, like during the regular season, that's fine, but obviously at playoffs, you're not expecting that much out of him. He's a rookie, but going to next season, he might be a guy that you need might need to start counting on more. He's and he's bringing the shooting. What's your upside? What do you what do you how much do you value Julian Strother? Like that would be my. Only question with that type of deal because you kind of you are giving up on a draft pick that you just drafted not too long ago in, in this past offseason, and mm-hmm. for a for a center that may leave you in free agency. And yeah, you get a couple of wings, of course, but you know, like what is that? You have Peyton Watson and you know Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. So I mean, how much are those guys really going to play per se? I think Strother's more viable to the Nuggets than those other guys would be, in my opinion. But I like the I like I like Drummond a lot per se. I just don't I just don't know that that move is a needle enough for Denver. I don't know what he does. And I don't know that he plays in the playoffs. I just don't think Malone just does not want to play that in the playoffs.
0: I think it depends on the matchup. You know, yeah. I think in a series against the Timberwolves, he probably plays yeah. because of their personnel. I think in a series against the Suns, he probably doesn't play a ton. So, yeah, it's very much matchup based. But that was the one where I was like, yeah, you could get a lot of value here. Um, other guys like Caruso, Bogdanovich, those guys are kind of out of our price range at this point. Um, before I move on to the CBA and some of the rules and some of the things we're going to expect come next season, barring any trades, which is, like I said, is unlikely at this point. Is there anybody
1: else that you kind of have an eye on? Yeah, I have three guys that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. And again, for me, I think it's the backup four positions, my opinion is what Denver's kind of missing. They're kind of missing that Jeff Green type of player. Everybody says Bruce Brown oh, yeah, Denver's missing Bruce Brown. I kind of think Denver's missing more of a Jeff Green because you're one injury away from, like, yeah, Peyton Watson can jump into the four, and he's fine at the four, but I like Peyton Watson more of a three in my opinion. So, to me, yeah, I, I just – I just this is the type of thing that makes sense for me. One guy – for me, it's probably more of a buyout type of guy, but Thaddeus Young, uh, a little bit of an older player, makes some sense, I think. You know, he's kind of – he does – he reminds me more of Jeff Green, probably uh, more than any of these guys do, per se, but uh, – Less you know, shooting, though. yeah less shooting it and, and he's aging he's very much so aging probably more of a Paul Millsap more towards the end of his career I would say that's I, I think that's more a better comparison than uh, I would say Jeff Green but he's a name that's intriguing for me again it makes eight million dollars to Toronto the Toronto buy him out he maybe that's a guy that you might go, uh, go off of you know out and get at the, on the buyout market um, another guy a couple of the other guys are kind of more bigger names uh, Dario Sarch you know he's making two million dollars this year with Golden State Uh, I think he's certainly gettable. I just, again, what, what's, what's the direction the Warriors want to go and what would the cost be? That's, that's the only question I, I wouldn't imagine it'd be too, too expensive. Although he's a very viable player to that bench and he can't, he's a guy that can bring scoring stretches the floor a little bit, rebounds a little bit, kind of does a little bit of everything. What Denver needs, in my opinion to me, he'd be a guy that's I think worth it. And a guy that I think we could see in the playoffs as well. in a possible rotation 100%. from, from alone. So he'd be a guy that's, I think uh, he's like number one on my list per se, like the, the, amount of targets i want denver to go after dark Sarge is top of my list in my opinion the last guy this is and this just kind of came out recently gordon hayward he just he kind of would make a little bit of sense for me on the buyout market again you're not trading for his yeah. contract but buyout market might be a little in, a little interesting i mean that you kind of need some scoring off the bench if you want to put watson at four and, and hayward at the three maybe it does make a little sense for denver um i just again i, I don't know can Denver get him on the? I mean, on the minimum, or is another team gonna is gonna outprice to get Gordon Hayward? That's that's the one thing that I've heard on Hayward is I think Indiana might be on him and might over uh, might give him more money to go there. So I guess it depends on where Hayward, might I mean, his mindset, what he want to go for the money or for a team that's a true championship uh, contender. And that those are, he's just an intriguing name that I would keep an eye on if I'm the Nuggets going heading into tomorrow.
0: Yeah, for sure, Dario Sarge would be a great fit problem is you probably got to get rid of Zeke Naji to get him and he can't trade Zeke Nagy to the warriors with that contract doesn't work um but if they could figure out a way i think he'd be a great fit so i do agree with that problem is he doesn't make enough money ironically right for being the kind of player he is at this point uh gordon hayward is really interesting i would that's one guy i would cut Vlacco for uh he would probably be the perfect fit like you put – and this would probably change our rotation quite a bit. You probably have less of a need for a stagger at that point. But having, like, a Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Gordon Hayward, Peyton Watson, and plug in any ser- center, I don't care, into that, like, that's a good unit. Uh, so, yeah, that's somebody I've I've thought about too. Like you said, really the only team that can really give them a lot more money is the Indiana Pacers and they're obviously not a championship contender at this point, in my opinion. They just haven't had enough time with Siakam. They may maybe they'll be next year, but uh, they're just not quite there yet. And any other contender is not going to be able to offer them more than the minimum. No, uh, so, yeah, that would be interesting to see. Maybe it's somebody that Reggie Jackson can kind of try to recruit, say, "Hey, man, I went through buyout, worked out great. I won a ring, didn't do much, but I, you know, if he gets another ring this year, it's all worth it for Reggie." and that's somebody that I think he could relate to for sure in that position. So uh, if they do end up getting Gordon Hayward in the buyout market, man, that would just be like probably the ideal situation uh, to yeah. bring that kind of caliber of a score off the bench who isn't a, a sieve on defense either. Um, but I do think he could probably play the float four because he's a little bit older. Right. And you can have him and Watson kind of be interchangeable in those forward spots. Uh, So, yeah, that would that would be awesome to see. Um, But yeah, we're kind of going long here. So just to wrap things up, uh, like I said, we only have a a five second round picks to trade. They're all not worth very much because they're going to be towards the bottom of the draft class uh, and we cannot trade a first round pick. Now, one of the problems with the second apron and we are going to be in the second apron next year if the Nuggets do not make any moves is number one we lose our mid-level exceptions whether it's taxpayers or non-taxpayers obviously if it's non-taxpayers we've dumped a bunch of salary so it's not going to happen but the contract that reggie jackson signed for five million dollars the taxpayer mid-level sex exception probably worth six million dollars next year will not be available to the nuggets that is a big deal This is what teams like Golden State have used to build out their rosters with having an expensive starting five. The Nuggets came in at the worst time having an expensive starting five because the second apron really dings them there. So we will be limited to signing minimum level contracts next season, barring any changes to the roster. Another thing is every year, more first round picks become available to trade, right? That is one of the problems with the second apron. Normally, if we were under the second apron next year, we would have our 2031 first round pick available to be traded. We will not have that available to be traded if we're in the second apron next year. We will not be able to trade any foreseeable first round picks for another two years if we're in the second apron, unless it's on draft night. So, just so all the Nuggets fans out there are aware, the Nuggets are about to enter a stage where it becomes very, very hard for them to make any sort of moves other than on draft night. Another thing is you cannot aggregate salary to trade for players when you're in the second apron. That means we cannot package Zeke Naji and another player next year to get a single player. It has to be pretty much matching that makes trades nearly impossible so i just wanted to educate any nuggets fans out there that weren't already aware of this i know a lot of you guys are uh, but it is something that we are going to have to deal with more likely than not unless we trade one of our starting five so um yeah it, it is a little bit of a scary concept you can see calvin booth has done his best to position us to be able to be more flexible, but uh, with our starting five right now and until Red, uh, I'm sorry, KCP's contract uh, comes up for extension um, in two years, I don't see a lot changing there. Uh, any other thoughts on that, Trevor?
1: Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, that's you have to kind of plan ahead, you know. It's, so my question for you, Jake, and because you might know this a little bit more better than me, when did they have? When? How much time do they have? That's the, at, in the offseason before they have to be under the, the apron. Is there a certain point in time? Is that after the draft and that's when it kicks in where you can't move? restrictions? I mean, kick yep. in? Okay, okay. And they're one yep, about- after draft. So
0: they could shed salary during the draft and become an under apron team. So right now, um, so let's say you're a second apron, apron team going into the draft. That Those rules don't apply until you're a second apron team after the season starts it's a it's a date in the middle of the summer after the draft that I don't remember off the top of my head so I do apologize to Nuggets fans for that I'm not I'm certainly not a cap expert I'm cap informed Um, so just do keep that in mind there are some uh, Nuggets influencers on Twitter that are more versed in this than me Uh, but you do have some time after the off season starts to Uh, adjust your roster and be able to make some moves to get under the second apron. Uh, But like I said, there's not a lot of flexibility with that uh, because of our starting five salary. I believe next year, they're going to make up about 80% of the uh, cap spend, which is honestly kind of where championship teams have been. Uh, You know, the, the, the golden state warriors If this, if these CBA changes had, taking effect years ago, the Golden State Warriors would have a very different team than some of their championship runs. Um, And so this is just a reality that we're gonna have to face. And the purpose of it is so that teams don't do what the Golden State Warriors did and pay half a billion dollars in luxury taxes and not care because they're winning. So uh, regardless of that and the past history, the, the nuggets do have a little bit more flexibility until I believe it's it's sometime in June or July after the draft uh that they can change this up but like I said I don't see them moving off any of their starters uh even in, in this off season
1: and to be clear they uh, I think I looked this up it's like 1.6 million they're over in the, uh, over the into the second Apriln yep that's the kind of keep that
0: in mind, like keep in mind, you you know, a minimum salary is going to be $2 million. So even if they were to move somebody, it's, it's going to be hard. You also have to be careful not to hard cap yourself uh, because then you also can't make a bunch of moves. Uh, It becomes restricted. Uh, So yeah, there's, unless you move Zeke Najee, like I said, he, and I think Calvin Booth wasn't stupid about this. I know a lot of Nuggets fans are upset, but, Najee is a trade asset now moving forward because of his salary. What's gonna happen is every year for the next three years, unless Najee breaks out into an incredible backup center, he's gonna be on that trade market for another player in that $8 million, the salary matching range for Zeke Najee with draft compensation. That's why Calvin Booth did it. He needed another tradable contract. The only tradable contracts we have off the bench of any size, right? right now is Zeke Najee, but he's on a poison pill, so it kind of makes him untradeable. And Reggie Jackson at $5 million, which is a value deal. So he needed more of these mid-sized deals, and so that's what he set us up for with, like I said, it's better with a devil you know than a devil you don't, and we know what Zeke Najee is, and he's at least serviceable probably in in the regular season. Um, And so it's better to have those assets than to be basically He's avoiding being the Phoenix Suns and having to sign nine minimum contracts every summer.
1: Yeah. yeah. So up. in saying that, Jake, do you think that it's likely that they move off seek at the deadline or they, no, the deadline not, tomorrow? Or do just you think they wait for the, of the offseason? Position. Okay, so you think it's more of an offseason move probably before the draft? Because I, I think they could actually get probably a little bit more for him. Like they can get probably just second round pick back for him and get off his salary. Um, or do you think they would just kind of package him in a deal to get another player I mean that's that's the hard part
0: they need to get more con they need to get more controlled contracts like I said he's on a multi-year eight million dollar deal it gives them time at that controlled price and so he's not going to he's 95 percent not going to get moved at this deadline because his value isn't there and he's on a poison pill usually when you trade a poison pill contract you either have to be a very high value player uh, or you have to include a bunch of draft compensation, which doesn't make sense because you just signed the extension. So Calvin Booth is not going to shoot himself in the foot by moving Zeke Nagy for nothing and only getting a second round pick back. Right now you probably have to attach multiple second round picks for teams to even consider Zeke Nagy, And at that point, they still might not go for it because of the multi-year deal. Okay. So it's more about in, not even in the draft, but in future seasons, having that player be available you know because what happens if, if julian strother hits right and it becomes a really good player and then you're going into next trade deadline well then you know you can trade julian for a good player and then dump zeke Naji, and so the, and then that starts to balance itself out so there it allows them for more room with with matching salaries and i yeah there's just not a lot they can do with zeke Naji at this point Even in the future, I don't think you know. Like I said, during the trade or during the draft is the only time they can trade first-round picks. That's the most likely time for him to get moved, just because the second apron won't kick in until after that draft.
1: So you think Vlaco becomes more acceptable to being if Nuggets make a move tomorrow, say that at the buyout on the buyout market. Do you think Vlaco becomes more acceptable to be off the roster then? If saying that because Zeke has a poison pill, and you think they move off depending on the player, they want the buyout market. Vlaco might be gone if cuz you have to have somebody off the roster to get at somebody you know that's that's i guess what would ask that i
0: mean the buyout market's going to be in the weeks after the trade deadline it's going to take a while for these teams to negotiate buyout deals uh i think they have a, have a, up until april 1st to sign a buyout guy also that's another thing i did not mention here is uh you're you can no longer sign buyout candidates when you're in the sec- second apron. so that's another limitation that you will have in the next season. So they will have time between the trade deadline tomorrow and the the deadline to basically sign a full-time roster spy. I believe it's April 1st, if I'm not mistaken, uh, because it's going to take time for teams to buy out those, those players. And they're only going to cut Blacko if they have a verbal um, commitment from somebody that they really want. So we're not going to see Vaco cut and then wait a long time for a buyout candidate. It's going to happen in succession. Uh, and if it, you know, and if he doesn't get cut or, you know, we're not getting a buyout guy. Do
1: you think he's the likeliest out of the ro- everybody on the roster if they
0: do go that route? Absolutely. Who else would you cut? There's no reason to cut anybody else. Uh, he's coming off of ACL. You don't know if he's going to be the same player. His team option is basically for a little bit over a minimum deal, um, there's, so there's no reason to to cut anybody else when you have a non-playable player. I mean, the only other person comparable to cutting would be Justin Holiday, but he's playable. So there's no reason to take up that roster spot at that point. If you really want him back, he's not going to be a highly coveted guy unless he shows out in the Olympics that he's mentioned he wants to play in. So you could technically re-sign him um, after a certain period. It would um, – be in the later stages of next season because of some rules um but yeah he's the only guy that wouldn't be cut
1: okay well that's something to keep an eye on that that's for sure that makes makes a lot of sense right. if you look think about it going forward if you know if they if they want to really add some to this roster and i've heard they're they're probably likely to be more in on the buyout market than the trade market that does make sense for them to get rid of Vlaco this year yep. get, get a get a player on the buyout market and then they can resign Vlaco next year because he's not going to be it's like the team's going to be trying to There's going to be teams that are trying to have a bidding war for him or anything like that. So it does make sense the more and more you talk about it, for sure. So something to watch going forward.
0: Just keep in mind there is a time period that you have to wait before you can sign a player that you cut. And it has to clear waivers, of course, too, um, which means that another team wouldn't pick him up, which they wouldn't because he has an ACL tear. We haven't typically seen the Nuggets cut players Um, in the past. Even P.J. Dozier was part of a trade. Uh, I believe he was part of the bowl bowl. Like there's like a three team trade there. So, um, which was salary dump and exception creation That's why that happened. So, um, yeah, uh, like I said, guys, I think Nuggets probably don't do anything tomorrow and don't be upset because we're reigning champions and we have a good roster. So, uh, let's trust in Calvin booth at least for one more year. He already brought you a championship. Um, and for now, Hey man, let's go nuggets, but. Anyways, Trevor, hey, I really appreciate you coming on. We had a really good show. Ended up being an hour, so I hope everybody enjoys it. And um, we'll see what happens in the next uh, 24 hours and in the following weeks for the, the buyout market.
1: Yeah, I appreciate uh, all Nuggets Nation. And again, uh, like Jake said, you know, just continue to believe this for front office because I think Calvin Booth has made the right decisions. I again, mean, we're seeing it with Christian Brown. And now with Peyton Watson, remember how high – Calvin Booth was on Peyton Watson. Now we're starting to see Peyton Watson shine right in front of her eyes. So something yeah. to keep in mind, just trust Calvin Booth, man. I mean, he, again, he's, he's got a plan going forward. They might not be making a move tomorrow, but doesn't mean down the line with the buyout market that they won't make a move. Again, if there's is a, a certain update, you know, or an upgrade that they can make to this roster, they're going to do that. Um, I would imagine, again, they're in this contention window with Jokic. They have to, so. Um, you know, they don't have to make a move per se, but if there's an upgrade, they have to pursue it. They owe it to this roster to pursue it and to give them Michael, as many resources as possible uh, going forward. That's what I want to see this team do. You know, whether if, if you think that this roster is, is, is the roster that you want to go with in the playoffs, fine. Just keep in mind, you're an injury away from, you know, just tough decisions going forward and who's going yeah. to play and who's not. So something to always keep in mind, but I know the front office is doing their due diligence and, you know, kind of looking around the league and, Talking to other teams, and so I don't want to expect them to do much either. But again, who knows? They may they may make some sort of move like Waco. You know, maybe they may move him. I don't know. I mean, just to kind of create an extra raw spot. But I mean, it's unlikely that they really do do much. Again, Sarge would be a guy that I would really like if they do make a trade. But if not, Gordon Hayward on the buyout market makes a lot of sense. I think possibly Thaddeus Young, although not perfect, but uh, would be another guy.
0: Speaking of. We do have a trade exception from the bones highland trade uh that would i believe fit the majority of dario sarch's salary so we could technically cut blacko trade for sarge with just uh draft compensation okay. not something i think the warriors go for but no. um, just to throw that out there that is uh i'd have to double check the numbers but i it's within range of possibility but anyways guys uh, thank you for listening to the 5280 Nuggets Fast Break podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Sports Network. Uh, we will be back after the Lakers game and uh, the unveiling of Kobe statue, which I'm excited uh, to also watch. And um, hopefully we, we come out and beat the Lakers at home even after that emotional win. But uh, let's go Nuggets.